after the fresh director received her first Hong Kong Film Award as Best New Director. Mabel Chung and her filmmaking and life partner didn't decide to go back to Hong Kong and expand. No, they stuck to New York. Brought over elite talent and an undeniable screen couple and made what is considered both one of the best Hong Kong movies ever, but also a perfect date movie. My name is Kenny B, with me is Tom KW, and this is the Director Series 29 on Mabel Chung's An Autumn's Tale. featuring a gun at all despite that weird poster that has giant fat with a gun in his hand and not <laughs> and not even from this movie i, th- I think it's literally may, may i think it's like from triad the inside story or something did he have a black t-shirt on as well oh uh, no they never really did no, that to chow no but uh but no there's there's literally like a uh, it looks like a french poster where uh giant fat has a gun in his hand and uh, there's some folks leaning out of a car with uh, a shotgun and uh, another weapon, Autumn's Tale. Did you not see the deleted scene section on the DVD, Guy? I missed that, <laughs> indeed. Check it out, man, check it out. Harder New York set movie, originally. It was pretty tough, it was pretty tough. I mean, he did he did heroin and everything. It was it was pretty shocking to see. No wonder he check was all, out, uh, he, no wonder he was all uh, jolly, like, I don't care about anything. <laughs> I'm a Hong Kong connection. It was really good. Exactly. Um, that poster won't be used, but it's the primary one on HKMDB, so you can always see, like, come on, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there are ch- uh, China titles that were retitled in America, but they were of the lazier kind, like Hong Kong Corruptor, God of Killers. And, nice. You know, a, a pattern like that. This is an autumn style, but with uh, some added guns. What they were just using uh, later Steven Seagal titles. That's cool of them. Yeah, it, it worked in the 90s on VHS, apparently. You know. So, uh, Sh- Shanghai Killers. That sounds like a movie I would enjoy. Whatever movie it is, I haven't figured them all out yet. I think it's about killers in Shanghai, I think. Probably. I, I don't know, though. We'll have to check it out. At any rate, welcome back to the director's uh, series after some poster talk between uh, Tommy and Kenny here. And uh, we're friends. here in the... Second installment of the sort of shared Mabel Chung and Alex Law director's uh, series. And we're going to touch upon one of his first, uh, his very first uh, movie as director a little bit later in the episode. But uh, full disclosure, kind of, uh, An Autumn's Tale, there actually is a podcast on it, a podcast on fire on it. Uh, I did a solo chat uh, back when I didn't have any uh, friends friends or uh, (laughs) co-hosts. And... uh, I, I kind of wanted to do my... I, I, I did a top 10 list of my favorite Hong Kong movies ever that uh, The Hero Never Dies blog uh, requested. So I'm glad I did it. So I thought uh, I was going to like do solo chats on those 10 movies. And we, we've covered a fair amount of them with or without a co-host. But uh, that was the sort of idea. But I thought the movie probably deserves a more lively discussion. And we were able to dig up some more making off stories as told by Mabel and Alex Chung. So it's a, an Autumn's Tale podcast uh, 2.0, but with the added and beneficial nature of having Tom here to discuss the movie with me. 
Yes. Was that beneficial in uh, air quotes? <laughs> was that not at all? Not a sarcastic, <laughs> not a sarcastic bone in my body. I broke his brain. Like, what did he mean? <laughs> <laughs> broke my brain. Funny bone gone already. Or you could have, you could have said thank you for the kind words or something. Mm, thank you. Good. I'm English. I can't. I can't do that. To be honest, man. I can't. I can't take any. You know, I could take criticism, but I can't take any um, that word. What's that word again? You know, the one we say, it and it's kind of a nice thing to say to someone. Don't know that word. I do do free shows on an autumn sale if needed, because I always have a lot to say. Uh, it's a uh, it's a big favorite of mine. But uh, we'll get to all of that uh, if you want to. Uh, look up uh, all our other shows and especially the director's series that uh, resides here on the Podcast on Fire network. You can find that on podcastonfire.com along with all our other shows on uh, Hong Kong movies, on Japanese movies, Korean movies we talk sleazy movies, we have done audio commentaries, bonus episodes and a plethora of things. So I hope you find something you like and uh, go back in the archive in particular for the director's series we've done series on Kirk Wong on Nam Night Choi on David Chang and uh, the, the series before this was on uh, Ringo Lam. We completed that and a couple of uh, months later he unfortunately passed away so we never got to see any more Ringo Lam movies unfortunately but um, our archive is therefore complete. It's a complete coverage uh, therefore. And uh, if you have any questions or feedback, what's your favorite Mabel Chung uh, movie? Uh, Podcast on fire at googlemail.com You can uh, initiate a discussion just like that about that very thing on facebook you can at any rate uh, join our discussion group it's called podcast on fire network uh, follow the show updates and discussions and uh, funny things we share screen caps we share that uh, we deem funny or cool you can do that and uh, you can also like our page of course and if you click the button at the top of our website you can get to facebook directly that way and uh, check out our social media stuff uh, we are also on twitter our handle is at podcast on fire i write about a variety of uh, hong kong and taiwanese movies a variety of genres as well so goodreviews.com is that uh, very site I'm, I'm planning to try and s- sort of systematically try and catch up with what i've been very poor at which is following the, the recent output of uh, hong kong slash mainland cinema and Why would you want to do that well, well 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 here's the thing he, hear me out we all know it's flawed and comes and goes in quality and back then it did as well but what i thought to myself like, don't try and take it in all at once like pick based on you know critics notices and uh, fan appreciation pick like five three or five from each year and try and go through it to get a feel for uh, where they were right uh, good or bad i like it so um, I'm, I'm planning to do that at one point to try and catch up on some stuff but uh, regardless those are my sites you can also uh, subscribe to us on apple podcasts uh, and uh, if you want to leave a review you can do that on itunes you can also stretch uh, us on stitcher stretch us stretch for a bit and then you stream us on stitcher and <laughs> spotify Nice save there. Stretch on Stitcher. That's a, <laughs> a, a new catchphrase. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything. It's a catchphrase. Nonetheless, viral Just viral mean. success and fame clinched. <laughs> of course. That's the that's the formula. Uh, but uh, let's give you a rundown of what, uh, what to expect here in the show. It's a fairly packed show, despite only covering one movie, essentially. But uh, we're going to uh, do, uh, b- before the main attraction, we're going to briefly look back on Alex Law's debut feature painted faces uh, because me and um, 
Paul Fox discussed it on a prior uh, podcast on fire. Paired up with Dragons Forever for no reason other than uh, why not. And uh, so we are merely spending a little bit on the movie here. A quick take on Painted Faces. Uh, uh, we will then hear a bit of a, an expanded biography on both Mabel and Alex that we didn't have during the Illegal Immigrant episode. So Tom will tell you some uh, additional factoids about the couple. And after that uh, we're going to have a big section on the background, conception, its players and reception of An Autumn's Tale. Uh, which will then be... Uh, uh, concluded uh, the whole episode uh, we'll conclude it with a review of that very film An Autumn's Tale so let's uh, jump into it and I'm gonna throw over to uh, Tommy here uh, Painted Faces from 1988 and I, I want to ask you something before I know you n- know of the movie uh, had you actually watched it back in the day on one of those cropped VCDs or LaserDisc uh, coffee so was this your first time watching Painted Faces this is my first time watching Was it really? Was it really? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. It's one that's kind of, I wouldn't say even eluded me, really. It's just one that's kind of been on the back burner for a bit for me. It's Always been unavailable, about. man. That's the problem. It has been for a long time, yeah. And it's one of those ones that I've always known about what it's about and um, the cast and, and, and kind of know um, the back history myself and uh, from reading uh, Jackie's biography. Uh, autobiography um and a few other bits are kind of aware of kind of the story of it basically but it was great to finally get to it and kind of so so uh, what, what was your impression of uh, what he wrote of in the book in terms of his uh, him growing up and being taught at the Peking opera school versus you saw in, what you saw in the movie what was it harsher in the book versus the movie no it's pretty much kind of the same i mean i suppose it's just harsher because you're seeing it visually but I, I mean, I got from from the book that it was kind of very hard and it was a difficult um, upbringing, but obviously paid off in spades for for him and and the rest of the fortunes. Um, and seeing it, yeah, kind of visually, um, really kind of makes it that more. I wouldn't say harrowing, but it's definitely an uncomfortable watch uh, at times. I would say. But having said that, uh, good or bad, uh, as a because it's a drama and. Uh... It's uh, give the listeners who haven't uh, haven't seen it. Is it is it a loud melodrama or is it a gentle sort of natural drama about uh, this uh, dying art of Peking opera? It's uh, I go with the latter to be honest, man. Um, uh, thanks for helping me out there as well with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you made you made the choices very obvious. I feel like I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for a second, and it was like the fifty-fifty. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about this one. Um, yeah, it's it's more kind of slow burn, in a good in a good or bad way. In 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 a good way, it gives a kind of uh, story rooms a breeze, gives characters, um, sorry the actors, um, which you know who are all kind of exceptional. Samo and Lan Ching Ying uh, and Sheng Peifei are all incredible in it. Kind of really restrained performances um, from them. The kids are all great. It was sad to see that a lot of the kids didn't really do a lot else um, with the actors um, aside from this. Because I thought they were really good as well, and yeah, it's 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 just it's kind of I want to say it's loose, but it takes certain chapters from over the years. It's not kind of a you know a kind of a three-hour epic of of kind of you know focusing on like ten years or twenty years at the at the actual school at the Peking Opera School, but it's kind of more snapshots you know throughout the years and kind of certain moments, and I think that that works well for the film. See Samo uh, Samo's character. Um, playing master you kind of aging and he also you know sees kind of 
personality kind of change a little bit and I'm adopting to the kind of changing times and, and kind of different characters, and especially the kids kind of doing that as well. And, 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 and without spoiling it, by the way, did you come away with a, a sad feeling or an uplifting feeling? Because it is really the spoiler isn't it's the dying out of peaking opera it's kind of evident that time is running out for for it and he needs to let his last students go in this case it's jackie chan Samu hong and Jun-Pyu, among others that is letting go into the film world so uh, did you leave the movie feeling sad or uplifted kind of not at all, because I think, as I said before, it obviously paid off in spades for them. And, and although Peking Opera uh, kind of waned in popularity at the time, obviously they used all the talents that they had learned to go on to have amazing film careers um, as actors and directors and producers and choreographers and, yeah, and, you know, pops, pops people and, <laughs> you know, dusters, uh, fluffers, you know. <laughs> they're the ones you don't really hear about, but they're the most important. Did you feel like uh, Alex Law um, did things differently versus how, how his wife directs? Or do you think it's, um, like, if you didn't look, uh, for, for me, anyway, if I didn't know, I would have guessed, like, I think this is a Mabel Chern movie. That's interesting. I think there's kind of less romanticism with this one mm -hmm. there's less kind of it doesn't really kind of romanticize affairs it kind of really just puts it out straightforward whereas you know the other film we're covering tonight uh autumn's tale is, is kind of a lot more kind of romantic and romanticizes kind of places and people and it's not just a romantic story but but yeah it does does that does that as well so I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just watching them back to back, and maybe it was just watching this first for the first time that I kind of saw um, a difference between the two. Certainly, it felt like he 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 was ready to direct. Oh, uh, right? yeah, obviously. I mean, he had he had the experience on the previous two films as well, and I think that kind of made him ready to to take it on. I mean, it's quite a, a, a difficult subject to mo to be honest. It's quite a difficult sell as well, I would suppose, um, especially at this time. It's not really an action film. It's not really a comedy. It's more of a kind of a sort of a melodrama. It's more of a kind of very restrained drama. But I suppose obviously the big seller was the fact that it was it was based on the careers of you know superstars at that time. Did did, did you personally feel like you wanted them more center stage as characters, Jackie and Sam or you and you? Because uh, I mean, you know who they are after a while and who they grow up to. But it's not like it's wall to wall. They're story it's more of a troop and their teacher right which feels which feels right to be honest yeah and i think that the, it, it probably could go in a more exploitive way uh, you know an exploitive nature of kind of trying to shoehorn you know maybe things that jackie did or samo did or you know things that were kind of maybe callbacks to their film careers you know stuff would we be callbacks or i don't know how it works when it's in the past but yeah like you know, references to, to things, but doesn't it concentrate on kind of, uh, you know, Sifu and and his kids and, you know, his life really and, and him training the kids and kind of what, what, what it was all about really in terms of what the school kind of stood for and, and what his teaching stood for. So I think it was, you know, that was the wisest option. And I think it kind of stands the test of time because of that. It, it stands on its own as a drama you know, without having that connection. But sure. I think that... Like, there's no alarm bells constantly. No, uh, no. Or, like, text cards on the screen that uh, this is who that is. 
here is where we are yeah. now. Uh, it's only at the end of the movie that we have uh, a little text code uh, where they mm. say where these people ended up. Because, of course, Sam was mentioned and Yumbu is mentioned and Jackie is mentioned. But I don't know. Th- there could be a case for may- maybe people who are not fully clued into the Hong Kong action scene that they don't really notice that it's Jackie Chan and Samo's movie. Because it's not, it, it doesn't scream that it's not anxious to be the biopic and love us. No, no, the less than, you know, uh, Alex uh, as a director is not very interested in that. And I think it's it's for the best, really, because it's a bit more of a pure film because of that. It doesn't kind of fall into those exploitative territories. It, it falls more into kind of trying to portray, you know, a story without kind of any added selling points to the film, which I think is, you know, is brave, really, to be honest. And it's kind of his and Samo's film at the end of the day, as, as much as as much as kind of the cast, you know, is exceptional, as I said, but it's kind of, you know, at, at this point, Samo's career was really getting, it uh, was really taking interesting parts and doing kind of, trying to be a bit different. And just after that kind of golden era of, of you know, the 80s finished, and I think this is kind of the first sign of him, not first sign, but the kind of real solid stamp of him uh, as an actor in his own right not just a you know the kind of action dude yeah it's not uh, i mean heart of dragon mixed it but it was still distinctly uh, you know an action piece and melodramatic too but uh uh, i I always feared heart of dragon would uh that it would grate on me more than it did Uh, it actually was quite surprising how that it wasn't as melodramatic as I was expecting. Uh, mm. it, uh, I, I thought it was affecting it. And he was good. Co- considering Hong Kong cinema do not do well when depicting uh, disabilities. It, it was kind of a miracle that that movie came off as well as it did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, true. And the, uh, the extra Japanese scenes kick ass. I'd, I'd, ha- I'd rather have them on the side, uh, but that's a different discussion for another day. Uh, I'm glad they exist, but I don't need them in the movie. So Okay, we uh, can do it some other time, don't we? Uh, uh, I, in, in terms of painted faces, uh, for, for my uh, brief little take here, um, uh, as we sort of discussed, uh, it is as much the story about Sam or Jackie and Yumbu's rise from picking opera performance to Hong Kong cinema legend, legends as it is about the downbeat portrayal of that ancient art during his last dying breath. And... Uh, and uh, it's quite wonderful that uh, Master Yu is, you know, appropriately then played by his student Samo Hong, who, you know, who knows he, who knows if he had hesitations or not. But uh, I'm glad he did it because um, it, it's the emergence of Samo Hong, the great dramatic actor without the weight of the action performer present at all. Yeah. You know, you, he can shed that in in a heartbeat, and you wouldn't think, oh, that guy, I want that guy to flip and kick and stuff. You never really feel that in this. I mean, even nope. with the presence of Lam Ching Ying, you kind of think something might kick off especially towards the back end but it doesn't but you never feel the need for that the kind of the pace and the tone of the film i don't know it makes you quite aware of what it's about rather than you know what it's about is kind of uh, the dramatic tendencies rather than you know any action beats yeah you you're into it it's flow quite uh, quickly and uh, 
uh, I, I did hear that Alex Law and Mabel Chung were asked to some degree or maybe made the choice to tone down the strict guidance that Master Yu inflicted upon his students. But, you know, the one main scene where he canes two of the students in the middle of the, in the, middle of the night, that, that's kind of all you need because it, it, it's a tough yeah. one. Um, it uh, didn't look easy on the kids either. Uh, uh, Samo and his, and his damn power, you know, beats women and beats kids in his movies, so... <laughs> Equal rights, equal rights, equal opportunities. But uh, but but I do love uh, it, it. Is actually we, we mentioned this in the main show, but let, let's just say it again. It's actually a collaboration between Golden Harvest and Shaw Brothers. So uh, yeah. and they're, they're clearly on the Shaw Brothers lots as well, and uh, it, yeah. it evokes the era beautifully without being overbearing with period details. Um, you you get into the flow, as I said, and. Um, I, I I like the little snapshots of childish innocence that, that is allowed to be that before maturity enters and um, young adult life for these characters enters and, uh, and 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 it's somber and sad of course that classical Chinese opera is being shifted aside in favor of a new partly westernized era but but I love that we get a, a glimpse of that uh, it's set in the sixties so obviously the influence of Western music has reached Hong Kong uh, the Beatles and what and whatnot and the kids like this they they want to take that on it's an exciting prospect and something has to give i suppose um uh, in uh, in the way the world uh, naturally uh, develops um as you you said uh, we got a, a bunch of young unknowns here but they, they makes us suitably forget that we're watching sort of real life portrayals of some of today's uh, superstars uh, but um uh, but Sam Hung's performance at uh, at the center is just uh, outstanding i mean he's a character that clings on to his art for better or worse and uh, even the symbolism of sticking a live turtle under one of his bedposts is it's kind of it's mean but it's a it's kind of fairly winning that symbolism because uh, eventually that turtle has to go as well so um and uh, you know it, it's sad as, as these characters go on with their lives towards the end but uh, the, that character master you who he he tried to hold on to something now has come to the sort of conclusion that um, it's okay to uh, to let go and uh, so you you you're left with having experienced a lot of touching scenes and uh, a rightly award-winning scenes and all of that but it, it's not terrible it's not a gut punch which is the which is the balance towards the end that Alex Law uh, crafts and um, and and Sam won a Hong Kong Film Award for his performance as as I said uh, you probably could have given one to Cheng Pei Pei and Lam Ching Ying as well because they're both yeah. uh, wonderful like. I don't know if she was uh, tailored uh, after Lam Xing Ying's real life uh, Peking opera master, uh, Cheng Pei Pei, because uh, he, he had a female teacher. Uh, but um, regardless, uh, she's, uh, she's, uh, her smile is quite uh, warm and winning, and that character is as well. And Alex Law doesn't overstate matters, it's quite uh, natural and, um, and confident uh, as a movie. So, yeah, yeah. And, and what I like a comeback for, because I think she hadn't made a film since the early 80s. Um, she hadn't made a film for a long time, uh, and I think uh, to come back kind of this strong and give such kind of a, a natural performance is uh, is pretty incredible. Indeed, and uh, you know, uh, Resurgence uh, one here and Resurgence two in Crouching Tiger, I suppose. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, you're very right, mate. So yeah. uh, that career has um, has legs. She loves to come back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that's um, that's the end of my notes on Painted Faces. You, you you can get it now on Hong Kong Blu-ray, but it's also on Netflix in, ver- in a variety of regions. Being a Shaw Brothers movie, they still keep some of them 
uh, on Netflix, including this dramatic one and not just uh, the Kung Fu ones. So uh, if you're in the UK, for instance, you can see Painted Faces in Glorious HD right now. And if you buy the Blu-ray, it's actually region A, B and C. So uh, it's a it's a good it's a good pickup from Hong Kong in that in that regard. Uh, it, it's been I, I mean it's not newly remastered. Uh, they did it back in the day, and it's, it's simply uh, that first batch that well several first batches that lost for many years. They didn't find any strategic room, I guess, to fit in painted faces and some of the more modern day movies. But uh, so this came out way after, uh, despite yeah. being an IVL disc and it's celestial and their remaster. Uh, they still slap a Shawscope logo at the top of the movie, which looks dumb. Yeah, it's always a bit of an odd one, that is, because there's no Golden Harvest um, logos or fanfare anywhere on the on the current print. It's all gone. It's like, uh, it, it's a different aspect ratio as well. It's like, it's film now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, e- even the version I have on Laserdisc and VHS, uh, I don't think there were any logos at all. It just starts. Movie just starts. Incredible. No messing around. So, uh, so yeah, uh, go get it, uh, and, and and you can. So, uh, uh, but uh, let's move over to the autumn's tale section. And first of all, before I hand over to Tom again, uh, let's uh, do a little uh, plot of this uh, romantic uh, movie from 1987. It goes as follows: Jennifer, played by Sherry Chung, is a shy and a bit naive woman who, after two years of uh, saving up money, is moving to New York to study acting. And over there, she is going to reunite with her boyfriend, Vincent, played by Danny Chan. And uh, Jennifer's family has arranged for her to live in the same apartment block as distant cousin Figgy. Boy, are they distant cousins. Uh, it, it's a complex family tree <laughs> that, that they found him in. Uh, but uh, cousin Figgy is uh, played by Chai, in fact. And they, they think he's some sort of local leader in Chinatown and therefore he's uh, rich and well off. Upon her arrival in New York, Jennifer's life goes downhill, though. Vincent has found another woman, and Figgy is anything but rich. Um, he uh, gets rid of his money pretty quickly. And during the days, he works as a waiter in a restaurant, and the rest of his free time is spent at the gambling tables. He's not the god of gamblers in this one, that's for sure. Uh, Figgy is also a man who takes uh, life one day at a time, and is happy as long as he has a roof over his head. The apartment he has set up for Jennifer is in a state of chaos, and with all these negative aspects going against her, she sinks into depression. But the always life-affirming Figgy does what he can to cheer her up, and after a while, Jennifer finds a place in New York and in Figgy's heart. Dot, dot, dot. Nice, I like what you did with that. Did you write that one? I wrote the dots myself. <laughs> I knew you were going to take credit for that. That was the best part. So, uh, as I said, we, we did a uh, biography on Mabel Chung and Alex Law up, uh, from from uh, the, the beginning stages of their careers up to... So go uh, back and listen to that, you lazy bastards. <laughs> in, indeed, fill in the blanks, but we're going to fill in the blanks kind of with this episode as well because uh, I stumbled upon more, some more info that I uh, sent over to Tom for him to summarize. And uh, so we, we're going to feature a little bit of an expanded Mabel Chung and Alex Law biography as uh, taken care of here by, by Tom. So... Take it away, Tom. The floor is yours. Okay, here we go. Um, so, yeah, we've got a few more notes here from uh, Mabel Chung's interview with Stacey Ford. Is that, is that, is that, is that a name? She's a, uh, d- uh, she's a doctor at uh, Hong Kong University. The Lee, Lee PhD. Is that, I don't, I don't sound that. But okay, so Stacey Ford. Uh, <laughs> so it's with her, and in the interview, it touches upon a few interesting topics. So we're going to go over it here just a little bit. Firstly, asked if she ever felt discriminated against as a female filmmaker, Mabel slips a little bit into her past, uh, touching upon losing her father in her teens, kind of giving her a freedom 
and allowing her to do anything really, uh, do anything really after that point. But rather than go off the rails, being the eldest child, she took charge and her ambitious path into university and part-time jobs not only bred her a work ethic uh, and drive, but benefited her family as well. And even her mother leaned on her for advice. Quite literally, I think she was uh, she was leaning on her. Um, but she's a big woman. Mabel was back in the day. She had she had good guns, good shoulders. So she was she was good support. Crickets. Um, she said, <laughs> "Just just just stop there. You got to just stop that one. Just just say stop, Ken. Just 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 it's really in. That's really in." Um, she says she um, never differentiated between a man and a woman in the workplace, but also stuck to her own instincts of being feminine and therefore her genuine self and felt more free as a woman because of a lack of constraints uh, on herself or being pushed to be anybody but herself. The film industry wasn't necessarily female-dominated when she was starting out, and her mother saw perhaps a stereotypical low-way image of scary men in dark glasses, smoking cigars, controlling the set, and... For her daughter, she wanted safety uh, in her eyes of, of working in an office, wearing high heels and skirts. Breaking that image was a foreign notion, uh, one would assume. Mabel did, did reveal it wasn't a lifelong dream, though, uh, of directing. She loved dancing when she was little, but her studies in England at Bristol University, uh, as we mentioned, led to her working as a production assistant for BBC Bristol on a documentary about Hong Kong. That hands-on experience was invaluable and a real education in a constructive, creative way for her, neither stuck in a classroom or working uh, Dolly Parton in an office, nine to five. Um, as for Alex's draw to filmmaking, it happened in high school. He was a truant and a bad one at that. Uh, as he kept getting caught by the school prefects and was made to write the school rules over and over as punishment. So he had the light bulb moment of hiding out in the cinema. Because there's no light bulbs in the cinema. so There's no light bulbs it's in It's a cinema. dark place. That was, that was definitely what I was going for, Ken. As you can see, this whole thing is, is a comedy tour de force. And that's <laughs> what I was going for. Um, it was dark. You were by yourself. But you also got to experience vast emotions of life, the lives of characters and their drama. And that was the moment it clicked for him. He never turned away from movies after that. Indeed. And then, then they joined together as they met in New York. So, Came together and, yeah, became a filmmaking team. And, uh, and a successful one at that out of the gate, as we talked of um, during the Illegal Immigrant uh, episode. So uh, we're going to get to an autumn's tale, uh, whether or not that represents a, a leap in quality in terms of... Uh, I know it does for me, but uh, I don't know if Tom um, uh, if Tom thinks so. So we're going to get to that. Uh, a bit of drama there. We have uh, the benefit of that um, book by Stacey Lee Ford that, that you can find partially online because... Uh, did you say PhD? I, I didn't because I didn't know okay. uh, that was... Uh, what? I don't know how these things work, man. I know she's a doctor at HKU and uh, that, that's all I need to know. But she, what, what happens is, uh, what happened was that her book on an autumn's tale, it's partially available on Google. It's it's legal, but they, they don't feature all the pages out of the book. Uh, so uh, there's a section at the end of it. Uh, that, that book talks about both the movie, but also its themes. And it's a section. There's a section by the end of it uh, that features a large interview with uh, Mabel Chung, Alex Law, and Stacey Lee Ford as they go over some of the making of um, not drama but notes on the film and Mabel and Alex sharing sort of where they were in uh, in their lives and how this movie came about. And there were some facts here that I was not aware of, and one of them kind of blew me away. 
it's nice it's nice to be surprised still so uh, uh so th this interview was like in 2006 so nearly 20 21 years after the film and they they shared, shared some stories and mabel describes an autumn's tale as a very honest early film and Chiantat's uh, character, um, uh, well, it, it's known in, in subtitles and they call him Figgy or Figurehead, but his uh, character's name is Samuel Pang. And it was ba based on uh, a friend of theirs in Chinatown to an extent. Being an early film, Mabel doesn't think it's technically up there with the best they've made, but the energy makes it one of their most memorable films. Uh, so she doesn't dismiss it as a film. Alex talks about studying in New York for three years, beginning in 1982, and uh, even after they concluded uh, their studies, they went back almost uh, every year to see friends or simply to get back to the city, even uh, post-studies. And uh, Alex looks back fondly at 80s New York, saying it was a little bit dirty, a little bit dangerous, but very exciting. <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, that that uh, they, you know they 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 love Hong Kong, but they certainly fell in love in New York yeah, and all its uh, <laughs> and all its smells and uh, darkness and grime and grit as the eighties might have represented where they where they lived. So it was a daily roller coaster ride essentially. Uh, it wasn't uncommon that the day of friends lost something to theft, uh, met crazy people, uh, but it remained inspiring. All these ex experiences uh, they put them into creativity. And uh, Mabel said that in Hong Kong, she never had to encounter any rough neighborhoods at all or tough people because she could kind of opt out of that. Um, but um, living on meager means in New York and working part time, it was inevitable that you got to or really had to befriend some of the more rough crowd to get by. And there's some further notes on that a little bit later. Uh, that, that's uh, kind of cute in terms of the rough crowd. Uh, I'll get to that. The initial story concept of an autumn's tale concerned a male student and a Chinatown bum. But but Mabel and Alex had to, you know, they had studio and bosses uh, there with them this time around. It wasn't the illegal immigrant sort of freedom where they were, where there was no Mona Fong looking over their shoulders or anything. So. They demanded some changes or wanted to, some revision. And so Samuel Pang, the Chiang Fat character, was changed to more of a Mongkok bum. And mm. they changed it from a male student to a female student. And that helped ease the development of the story. And by placing these two in New York, they would have to rely on each other. In Hong Kong, uh, as Mabel described, even these fictional characters could um, could uh, deselect uh, whatever they didn't, didn't like and go home and not concern herself and they didn't need to concern themselves with difficult characters or each other she wouldn't be stranded in hong kong as alex law said and uh, but but setting it in new york changed the dynamics of all of that and um, for them creating this story tom it was really beneficial being abroad and making friends with people of different backgrounds and race and they even befriended tried guys as uh, mabel said because uh, in New York, Hong Kong boundaries didn't seem to exist. And she actually worked in a video store and got to know triads who came in to get the latest episodes of TV dramas. <laughs> That's the cute story. Like, I'm a triad. I want my soaps, <laughs> damn it. I want my stories. <laughs> uh... Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I got to find out what happened on Legend of the Condor Heroes this week. Give it to <laughs> yeah, me. Criminal, criminal activity is just not enough for me. I need, I need my stories. Okay to survive so she, she got to know them and and their stories and all of a sudden you know class or you know criminal or not criminal didn't matter as uh, it might have back home trying to sell the movie though that was a challenge because it was not seen as a commercial film 
And to my surprise, and this was the thing I was blown away by, I did not know about this. They got a yes from Chai, in fact, just as A Better Tomorrow was going to be released. Meaning this was in development in, in 1986. Yeah, it came out early 87. And uh, he gladly said yes, uh, but he warned them, I'm box office poison. You're not going to make any money off of me, but I'll gladly do it. It's, it's acting. Right? <laughs> Uh, and and then the pair literally went to a screening shortly afterwards uh, to a screening of A Better Tomorrow. And Chion Fat blew up shortly thereafter, making them so lead that they got him. They got him beforehand and he stayed true to his word and showed up in New York and the, the rest, is, uh, rest is history. And I, I always had a loose theory that they might have shot this when he was in New York for A Better Tomorrow too, but clearly he went to New York may, uh, you know, multiple times. Yes. He's a well-traveled man. That 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 Chow is. Yeah, and it's a it, it's a setting that isn't uh, unfamiliar to Hong Kong filmmakers uh, as such. So uh, it's not um, it's not um, this sensation that uh, a Hong Kong movie shot in New York. But uh, I really like that. That he, he stayed true to his word, even though they probably didn't have it in writing. You know, it was a it, yeah, it was yeah, a handshake, cool. a verbal agreement. Uh, Alex actually knew him a little bit, having written the comedy One Hundred Ways to Murder Your Wife, that he uh, that Chai Fat co-starred in with Kenny B, not me, uh, directed by Kenny B as well, and not me either. Not you. Okay. <laughs> Can you keep this me? <laughs> I gotta make it clear, man. That is not me. I'm not a director. I know, man. That's why you're disappointing me, dude. I'm a C-grade podcaster. That's it. <laughs> Going back to Chai and Fat being the box office poison, studio bosses and money people tried to talk them out of casting Chai and Fat and go for a more established star and popular star like Michael Hoy instead. And that could have worked. And that nothing against worked. Michael Hoy, but man, it's, 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 it would change the dynamics of this story, I think. Oh, yeah. And like tonally, it would be, I think, a bit different with Michael, with Michael Hoy. And they're also suggesting uh, Jackie Chan. But <laughs> then it would be like this foregone conclusion that the girl would fall for him anyway because. It's Jackie, you know. Jackie would be like scaling the Empire State Building and shit. Like, <laughs> in love with you. <laughs> Don't fall down. Uh, but but uh, the, the duo Mabel and Alex, they didn't want the story to be that simple and predictable, so they got their cast, uh, their their main lead, and uh, they they made it harder for themselves by sticking to their guns and casting choice. Uh, Mabel described Chow's qualities as this: no one has the toughness mixed with romanticism, like like Chow in fact does, and I think that's. That's very fair. Yes, um, uh, and Cherry Chung wasn't their exclusive choice, as they they, they thought they could find actors, many actresses um, that were current at the time that would fit the, the role of a university girl who falls into depression and has to build herself up again. So many depressed students out there. So many <laughs> depressed students had a lot to pick from. Um, and and in a, in a nice way, though, Mabel said that she 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 liked to take Sherry on this journey because, as with many actresses. She could be a bit spoiled, you know, protected, worshipped. But here mm. was a part that broke a person down only to build her up again. So, uh, and, and it was autobiographical to an extent, as Jenny's experience was Mabel's too, um, to a degree anyway. She, she was broke. She could only afford an egg sandwich sometimes. And that's echoed in a scene in, a, in the movie. So, um, you know, they, they, they based it a little bit on, on that. And uh, basing you know, him on... Chai Fat's character on someone they knew. They also managed to avoid creating stereotypes, the expected stereotypes of the romantic drama genre. And their goal was to generate feeling and connection between characters that way and uh, try, try and get audiences on board on something genuine rather than 
film stereotypical. And uh, yeah, I think the film benefits because of that. Spoilers, spoilers for my opinion. <gasps> I mean, he was he was big in our eyes in '87, but he was still fresh. I think when when they started to shoot this movie, and uh, but he he had done movies with uh, with uh, Sherry, as we'll uh, explain in a bit. And um, again, uh, writing about persons out of her world, Mabel knew that helped uh, to create uh, this, uh, you know, uh, close to life perspective rather than manufactured movie reality. And uh, we, we should really mention Sherry Chung to an extent here. Uh, she doesn't have an extensive biography because uh, she retired um, many, many years uh, now, uh, in 1991 or 1992. But Chai Fat's co-star is the missed uh, Sherry Chung. And she was one of the top actresses of the 80s in Hong Kong. Uh, and she, she, she excelled at anything, man. She, she could be sexy, she could be playful. And, uh, you know, down to earth in the case of this one. And I think the track record is quite exemplary in terms of... Yeah, oh man, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you remember her from this one, but Once a Thief, maybe. But, uh, you know, but there's, there's not a bad sort of beat where you thought like, Oh my God, Sherry, you're, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she was a Miss Hong Kong uh, participant, uh, born in 1960. And she made her debut in the Johnny Toe. I, I wouldn't say swordplay movie. It felt a bit more, um, a bit more introspective, I suppose, a bit more low key uh, than that. But um, it's it's a period movie called the the Enigmatic Case. Uh, that was in 1980, Johnny Toe's very first movie, and she had multiple collaborations with Chiang Fat before an autumn tale, starting in as early as as in Anne Hoy's Story of Vuviet in 1981. And uh, I, I actually forgot about this. I knew he was in it, but I forgot she was in Ronnie Yu's movie, Postman Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. was that their first collaboration, I, I think? Uh, well, it would be the second, because Story of Vuviet was the year before. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but but she, she's done some uh, delightful and acclaimed work at Shaw Brothers, such as My Darling Genie. She is so hot in that movie. She plays the genie, but she is so sexy in that movie and uh, lovely. And, um, you know, it's not that kind of role. She plays the genie, the genie in the bottle versus Derek Yee. You know, one of the Derek Yee's um, uh, main roles at Shaw Brothers before he went the directing route. I think I prefer her over a big blue guy, probably. I mean, it's probably not as funny, but, she's, you know, she's probably a bit better looking. I mean, I don't know. Give me some time to think about that one. Not as good as uh, with improv as the Blue Jeans. Well, probably not. <laughs> probably not. She was also in Stanley Kwan's movie Women, along with uh, Chai Fat, uh, but uh, post post Shaw Brothers, because that was also a Shaw Brothers drama, you know, has just classic upon classic from Sherry. Uh, Peking Opera Blues, Goodbye Darling, where she's married to Raymond uh, Wong, uh, Spiritual Love, again with Chai Fat, An Autumn's Tale, Eighth Happiness, Major Lunar New Year, Cost and Madness uh, with uh, Chiang Fat uh, there again. And Wild Search, of course, Ringo Lamb's take on the movie Witness. You know, it just got better. Uh, their, their collaboration, it's uh, solid, so, solid gold and comfort with each other. Uh, never strained a moment between uh, Chiang Fat and Sherry Chung. I haven't watched Once a Thief in ages, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's also uh, a wonderful sort of finale to their collaboration because it's a it's it's a comedic movie and Chai Fat is uh, is a prankster and things like that and (laughs) it's fun man it's fun I think it's a bit of a anomaly in 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 Wu's uh filmography but it's it's I mean I I think it was Lunar New Year but they still went abroad to shoot 
what looked like an expensive movie. I think it's shot partly yeah, in France. Yeah, in France, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not like they had to shoot a Lunar New Year movie in a room in Hong Kong. No, as they normally do. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm looking forward to rewatching that. And that was one of her last movies. It's either that or Zodiac Killers. That was officially her last movie. But um, uh, that was it. Uh, she married advertising guru Mike Chu in 1991, who actually um, died of stomach cancer in 2007. And today she apparently still promotes environmental protection. So she she's you know she she's the face of that, but uh, hasn't made a comeback or maybe not uh, expressed desire to make a comeback either. Come on, Sherry, let's do it. Come on, dude, you'll know. I mean, you start watching like newer Hong Kong films, you'll know. You'll have to tell me exactly. I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a <laughs> ring. I'll give you a ring when it happens. Just send me an email. I'm quite busy. You don't have time to <laughs> look up things myself. Like no, dance, monkey, dance for me, Ken. What Just Google yourself, you fool. So, going back to an autumn sale, when the box office returns uh, came in, uh, they were great. Uh, DMB released the film, and it was a surprise to all involved that it was a hit. Uh, people started coming up to the directing, um, you know, the director and the movie making couple, as they were not the anonymous makers of uh, these movies anymore. They were the face of it, and they came up to them and offered them tea and things like that. So have, have tea. I'm <laughs> tea, not a psycho. Kiss my baby. Exactly. <laughs> And Chai of Fat Stardom was elevated even further, and critics were actually kind to it, despite it being a commercially successful film. You know, Alex noted that the two doesn't always go hand in hand, and critics yeah. could be snotty about yeah. a movie making uh, making money that can't be artistically viable. So that's uh, critics for you. So um, yeah, it's okay to like stuff. That's my, that's kind of this. yeah. I mean, he's he's got he's got a point there, definitely. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a one car wide just to matter. You know, you can be a you can be a straight, normal, natural, pleasant drama and still matter critically. So, uh, but uh, but 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 it won them over. That's a uh, sort of the point. Uh, the plan was to allow the film for a massive two week block for showing. So, w- welcome to past Hong Kong cinema. So, were you you were happy? You were happy if you got two weeks in the cinema, and then then you were out. But uh, and it was gonna be replaced apparently by a Disney cartoon called An American Tale. T A I L. It's one of the. I see what they did. One there. of their little an- animal there. movies, uh, play on tale. But as the profits weren't showing any signs of decreasing, producer John Shum stepped in, and he had been protective of the film all throughout the process, and demanded the powers that be at other cinemas to keep running an autumn's tale. And they did. It ended up grossing about twenty-five and a half million Hong Kong dollars, and uh, it uh, that insistence paid off. And uh, I was happy to hear that that someone was able to uh, step in and uh, demand that. Uh, it was one of 10-plus movies released that year starring Chai and Fat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're actually lying as well. I think you're actually right. It's got it's to be near that. I'm low-balling it, I think. 10, I don't know, might be 20. I'm saying 10-plus. 88 or 89 might have been 15. And, oh, easy, you know, man. So, easy. Uh, and uh, is his second pair up that year with Cherry Chung, and uh, the other pair up was uh, Spiritual Love. And old, I, I don't have numbers for Prison on Fire and A Better Tomorrow too, but An Autumn's Tale uh, was more profitable than the likes of City on Fire and The Romancing Star, even. So uh, it, it sort of beat, uh, beat those uh, action and uh, broad comedy hits. Uh, and speaking of the reception outside of Hong Kong, it got festival play, of course, and... Uh, and uh, via the Chinatown distribution network, it got seen and appreciated uh, abroad, and it was a hit in Japan. And uh, Mabel 
did not really she, she could not shake the fact that it did so well which in turn prompted her to feel pressure to deliver another an autumn's tale uh, which is why later uh, not the year after but later uh, they did make a sort of sudden shift into um, historical drama when they made the song sisters uh, because uh, she and law alex law wanted to shatter the perception of themselves as as ma- makers a little bit so which is what you should do as a creator you should examine what your image is and uh, try and go different routes and see if money people will allow that very fact and, uh, course, and, and yeah. seemingly they did because uh, the song sisters it, you know it had michelle yo in it i believe and uh, might have had maggie chung as well so it's not like they ha- had to uh, cause amateurs again or anything uh, so when they all got back to when they all got back to Hong Kong and enjoyed the positivity, um, uh, they enjoyed the positivity, and that extended to awards uh, awards season. And an Autumn's Tale won Best Film that year at the Hong Kong Film Awards, as well as Best Screenplay and Best Cinematography, uh, which uh, was shared by James Heyman and David Chung. It says additional photography by David Chung, so I'm, I'm thinking. Whatever they needed to shoot in Hong Kong, David did that, and James did the bulk of the work in New York. Yeah, must be. And, and as we mentioned before, and have many times before, Chayanvad lost to himself in oh. the in the category of best actor. <laughs> <laughs> it might have, he might have been nominated three times in the same category. I think he, he won for I'm City just, on Fire. I'm just checking it now. It's the seventh Hong Kong Film Awards is what we're looking at. I think he, I think Prison on Fire, City on Fire, and this were, were nominated in the same best actor category. Regardless, he won. You said, for... you said what? It won best screenplay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, so it won Best Screen versus Chow, it won Best Act of City on Fire. And I think he was nominated for Prison on Fire and An Autumn's Tale in Hong Kong at the same time. Yeah, Prison on Fire and Autumn's Tale at the same time. And he won for City on Fire. <laughs> Hurrah, <laughs> he won. Year. What an incredible year for the man. <laughs> there, there, there's an older um, clip of um, the Hong Kong Film Awards. I believe the year he won for A Better Tomorrow. They show the ceremony. And people are dressed up. Chai Fat isn't because as he as he won for a better tomorrow, he goes up to the stage and says, "The first time I was nominated, I wore something nice. Second time I was nominated, I wore something nice. I was nominated now a third time, and I thought to myself, why even bother dressing up? So that's why I came in my sort of casual clothes." <laughs> Imagine George Clooney doing that, like <laughs> arriving in jean shorts and like, uh, and uh, <laughs> like a white shirt. Like I don't know, I didn't expect to win, so thanks. Oh, but uh, that no, that was endearing, and uh, but Chai in fact did win in Taiwan for his performance in An Autumn's Tale, so um, that's um, a little consolation if he really wanted to win for uh, for this one. To some some final uh, some final notes here. Other cast members include uh, Jiggy Wong as um, Mrs. Sherwood, whose daughter Anna uh, Jennifer babysits. Uh, Wu Fu Sheng as Win- uh, Vincent's new girl Peggy, and uh, that actress was the leading lady of Mabel Chung's uh, debut, *The Illegal Immigrant*. So she has a couple of scenes here because um, she she was based out of New York, uh, presumably. And the male lead actor from *The Illegal Immigrant*, Ching Yong Cho is also here he plays uh, the friend that is uh, his uh, nickname is cow because he's a coward and he's the friend that doesn't want to help out uh, cleaning the yard before the party scene later in the movie so um uh, it's uh, it's uh, kind of nice to be in this small movie two years earlier or whatever and then you act with chai in fact 
Or he might have thought he was an unknown actor. Who knows? Like, is that the guy who's box office poison? <laughs> he hasn't seen Better Tomorrow yet. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of cool that the illegal immigrant uh, uh, relationship gets extended to this uh, to this movie. Mm. Uh, and also, we might as well mention uh, Danny Chan, who plays Jennifer's boyfriend, Vincent. Uh, Famous singer, composer, and actor. He made a splash in the late 70s. Um, he came in third at the uh, Hong Kong Pop Song Composition Competition in 1977. H- uh, HKPSZZ. You see a doctor that. <laughs> and that was in 1977. Uh, he made his TVB acting debut the same year, though, in the drama Sweet Babe. And uh, through... <laughs> I love That's a wonderful name. I just know why you said it. Just it sounds Sweet. pleasant. The... It doesn't sound like a drama about <laughs> drug addicts or anything, right? Sweet babe. <laughs> okay. That's how we sort of uh, voiceover man or woman should announce that. Uh, and now another episode of Sweet Babe. Sweet babe. <laughs> that sounds terrible. And through 1978 to 1979, Danny became even more high-profile. He won prizes. He performed concerts. Obviously, just because he didn't win initially, that he he, he still um, had traction in his career. And his uh, 1979 album "First Love" contains uh, uh, the song translated into English as "Tears Dropping for You." That is quoted as one of his most known songs. Um, uh, he signed a music contract in the 80s and gained further popularity uh, through his uh, counter-pop songs, such as Ripples, Just Genesis Love It. cover? No, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. You know who actually you would like in terms of uh, covers and stuff? Uh, you, sh- you should go back to the, the winners, the Kennedy, Anthony Chan uh, group, uh, Alan Tan group. They did a lot of um, English language covers of, uh, of stuff. They didn't do the uh, Rod Stewart cover in Winners and Sinners, did they? Don't know. Like don't know, actually. I mean, I don't know if that was them in the background. There's a chance, but uh, I actually don't know. Check it out, because I liked it. But uh, Danny Chan's uh, other counter-pop songs translated in English uh, were the likes of uh, Ripples, Just Loving You, and uh, the popular radio and karaoke hit Remem- Remembrance of Parents' Love. And uh, as these things go, this was 1980s after all, uh, Danny Chan appeared in films alongside uh, very famous uh, artists and actors. Uh, Leslie Cheung and Paul Chung uh, were some of his co-stars in movies such as Encore and On Trial. And uh, it all intensified the the acting uh, in that uh, successful decade of the 80s, including appearing in here in, in An Autumn's Tale. The sort of sad end to all of this is in 1992, Danny was found unconscious and rushed to hospital. And there were speculations, but I don't think you know, anyone has confirmed as such that, um, or at least didn't at the time, that he mixed alcohol and some kind of medicine and suffered brain damage as a result. And he spent 17 months in a coma. And um, uh, after that period, um, Danny Chan died on October 25th, 1993, at the age of 35 and um, he, he's remembered fondly today and uh, he was also commemorated on a stamp series issued by the Hong Kong Post focusing on the five popular singers who left their marks on counterpop music history so um, I didn't know that that's class. part of the top the top tier I suppose so. uh, of course uh, the very final note uh, an autumn sale is set in New York and there's plenty of film location spotting to be done uh, including scenes set at LaGuardia Airport, where Jennifer is picked up at the beginning of the film. Jennifer! Jennifer! Just, <laughs> Jennifer just shouting at the top of his lungs. Uh, Charles' character Samuel Pang lives on the Lower East Side, uh, both interiors and exteriors in New York chi- Chinatown, such as restaurants were used, and uh, Sam and Jennifer sell her handmade dolls near New York Public Library's main branch. 
Danny Chance Vincent arrives with Peggy at the Hoboken uh, or Hoboken terminal uh, train station. And the Brooklyn Bridge and the Williamsburg Bridge are used as passing shots and establishing shots, uh, driving shots during the film, um, uh, even in casual scenes. And uh, the skyscraper landscape is, of course, featured and captured also, including the World Trade Center. And we've reached the movie review and I've talked for a little bit, so I'm going to hand it over to Tom here to share uh, with you all his um, short opinion of An Autumn's Tale. And uh, I'll I'll ask this again. Oh, I did ask if the last episode. You, you, you've seen this once, but it was certainly not last week. So uh, it, it's like a re, it, it's a revisit of sorts. Yeah, yeah, it was years ago. Can you have a strepsil? I'll, I'll, I'll speak for <laughs> a couple of minutes too. I'm gonna yeah, go to man, Stitcher um... and stretch a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> callback, hashtag callback. I like that. Man, I mean, it's it's one of the greatest pieces of Hong Kong cinema. Goddamn right it is. It's just, it's, you know, it's a masterpiece. It really is. I mean, it's, it just does something that which captures kind of a, a feeling or, or a vibe that not a lot of Hong Kong cinema has in the past or, you know, especially when it comes to romance films. It's just, it's its own kind of entity. It's its own thing. It's kind of such a, almost an anomaly, anomaly in, in, you know, in this kind of decade of, of of Hong Kong cinema, in this period of Hong Kong cinema, it's um, would you it's, agree it's a perfect date movie? I, I would. It's it's it, <laughs> it's not as smushy as as you know you love actually or something like that. But it's it's probably it's it does so much more with kind of uh, visuals and and editing and and just the direction of the film. It does more with that than uh, forced you know, melodramatic scenes or kind of forced dialogue or these big gestures. It's it's such a restraint film. And and think about the leap between the illegal immigrant and this and uh, you'll be kind of uh, blown away. It's, right? it's almost like um, watching both films back to back for me and, and for the illegal immigrant for the first time. It almost feels like a, a blueprint for this film. The filmmakers grew and they kind of learned what worked and what didn't in their previous work and put that to effect here. It's almost like... Don Siegel directing Clint in Coogan's Bluff and then doing Dirty Harry a few years later. Oh, was it such a leap uh, between them? I haven't seen Coogan's Bluff, but I know Dirty Harry, obviously. It feels almost like a dry run for, you know, the better film. Right. In my opinion, that's kind of what it feels like here. It's kind of testing the waters a little bit with, you know, a certain type of character and a certain kind of vibe and certain, you know, story and scenes. And it's kind of taking what they'd already done with the illegal immigrant, kind of perfecting it, kind of perfecting that that formula and, and making something as you say iconic. But uh, I'm I'm I'll stop right there. I'm very happy that you still liked it, that it uh, that it uh, has endured. And uh... it never clicked for me earlier, but I think it's a film that works for me as an older viewer and someone with a few more lines on me, Ed. <laughs> big bigger heart versus your cynical black heart in your it's grew, teens. yeah it's grew it's grew a little bit as i got older this movie made his heart grow three sizes or whatever the grinch story was so. <laughs> nice my short opinion my favorite hong kong movie ever full stop i mean you told me in the past and i've always i don't know i probably haven't i wouldn't say not agree with it but it's just one of those films that didn't really i, I put up there for a long time because it didn't really click with me and it, it always did even with the shittiest early dvd that there was when you were 
you know, 38, didn't you? So, of course, it's going to click with you. I mean, you've had your fair share of heartbreak, your experience. I'm, you know, young pup. I was fresh when I first saw it. I was new to the dating game. I just didn't know, Ken. My heart ache with this film was the first DVD that I got, which was the Hong Kong DVD. The subtitles were out of sync for a good 20 or 30 minutes in the movie. And I know exactly where they went, at least back in sync. And, and I, I watched that despite that was, I was so enthralled, man. And they, it, it uh, we have a better solution now, thankfully. They, they've uh, upgraded that DVD situation, uh, even to Blu-ray. Anyway, it kind of shows she is upgraded from amateur actors. And you even the smallest choices, Tom, uh, like Sherry Chung setting her watch whilst on the plane to the correct time zone. I mean, they, they are simple reactions and trained reactions but they're natural reactions nonetheless and it's super funny to me how just giant fat storms into a picture there, there's no real sense of doing things quietly establishing him because the character isn't like that he's supposed to pick up his um, his uh, relative at the airport so he just drives to the airport and just parks when we where- say relative we mean the loose Chinese term relative, relative. When we say cousin, I mean loose. This isn't some redneck shit. Like this. <laughs> he, he, what was it? She is his. Uh, there, there it is. She is Figgy's fourth aunt's thirteenth niece. That's how they explain it in the movie. I just love how he, he he's there. He's gonna be there for her, but he's a, he's a slob and can kind of an anarchist, and he does what he likes. He even acts like he's Japanese in front of the uh, the guard in front of the um, of the airport, like and he's he's this wild he's this wild wild man. And I don't know if you ever if you had this image of Chiang Fat as the gangster before you saw an autumn sale, but this certainly shatters all kind all kinds of suave because he's um you know he, he isn't suave here right i think if you're a fan and you you kind of uh, familiar with his with his kind of work all of his work then you kind of know how multifaceted uh, he is as an actor but yeah if you were coming off kind of about tomorrow or say even someone that was coming off his american films you'd be like yo <laughs> what's going what's going on here looks like he may cut his own hair yeah <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It's you know, it's not something kind of you know surprising to me as as a fan that he you know he can kind of pull this off as well as he pulled off a completely different role the same year. Like, like so. it isn't a movie star you're watching. It's a after a second. It's an actor first. You're you're, you're watching a, a different character he plays. Like you, you, because some actors could not shed that very easily, but Chayefat could shed that very easily without making this huge character choice spectacle or anything yeah and and Chow always balanced that quite well as well with with the kind of you know, the superstar kind of roles and the kind of iconic roles uh, as well as the kind of more low-key you know just acting films where he just kind of acted his socks off and really kind of put his you know the image of him um or the kind of perception of him to the side yeah because he always said he likes doing his best anyway uh, doing action films uh, is stressful Especially when you got explosions going off yeah. like one foot behind you. <laughs> John Woo will blow stuff uh, up uh, behind you. You have a nice day in your trench coat and there's <laughs> explosions going off like in your ear. But 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 did you ever feel like he was set up as unlikable and out of control? Uh, so he, he started on the way from the airport. He raises this Latino gang for no reason whatsoever. Like he, his temper is all 
it's all flared up easily what's that like oh my god he's unlikable how's this gonna work out or no i don't i don't think really i don't know whether that was i mean i think maybe intentionally it was to kind of differ his character from sherry's to really kind of show uh or showcase the kind of differences between them and their values and their kind of outlooks on life and, and kind of you know the way they present themselves i think that was it really it was never to make him unlikable it was more to yeah showcase that yeah he was never um i agree because uh, they quickly established mabel and alex uh, alex's uh, script that he's uh, he's gonna take care of her and he has set up what he's asked uh, he's done what is asked of him even though he lives in a rundown neighborhood there's t- tons of graffiti there and graffiti there even better let's say better kind of um uh, capturing new york than illegal immigrant i think as well even even kind of grittier like even more kind of you know panoramic view of new york uh i think obviously having a bigger budget helps but yeah it's it's kind of even uh, the kind of the sense of new york at that time is captured even better than in the previous film i, I agree I, um, they, sorry to cut you off no no I, no it's okay i mean you're, you're right you're absolutely right it's an expanded view without making it a spectacle either in terms of where's you in new york look at us the, mm. it's um new york is there it's that's the location that the drama is going to play out in and it plays a part because uh, new york is what uh, what breaks her heart and then yeah. she builds her yeah. up through what's there in new york including uh fellow countrymen in in this case so uh, the, the, this is supposed to build uh, not everything is going to plan and then we're gonna have to um build on that and rebuild characters and for for me this was giant fat post seeing him in a better, a better tomorrow and uh, the killer but um uh, I, I actually forgot to mention it it was not shocking at all it was the most natural thing in the world because you're so mesmerized by giant fat he's so charismatic he's so funny and uh, his character quirks are incredibly endearing especially when he um he doesn't curse under his breath but um, he sort of says that he he thinks uh, she's uh, bothersome and he says uh, in Chinese women are and then he attempts to say trouble but he says women are charble and she says what? (laughs) Charble! Don't you know English? And he he says it as C-H-A-B-L-E so he doesn't know English very well but this sense of duty and kindness does reveal his charm without the movie movie star aura getting in the way at all because you know you can quote it forever but even the moment when he drops her off at the uh, train station and she asks him how do i look and he says you look like a 10 and that's chime fat classic charm for you you know you, uh, that, that never gets old for me as he had uh, a cherry over uh, bo derrick any day <laughs> indeed <laughs> i understood that reference oh <laughs> uh, first time for everything ken do you see Mabel getting more confident in terms of uh, crafting dramatic beats? Uh, you know, for instance, as as Vincent arrives at the train station, you think he's alone, and then we got the reveal that he isn't. Like, uh, do 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 you sense Mabel is uh, getting more confident and a li- little bit more sharper in terms of crafting a not a student film, but uh, more of a professional studio film? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's almost kind of crazy how kind of restrained it is and how effective it is in its kind of simplicity in terms of. You know, you think that maybe, you know, second filming, you'd be quite quick to impress with maybe these big gestures or these kind of big scenes or these kind of huge, you know, dramatic, you know, events. And it's just not that really. It's kind of like she really pulls back and there's kind of little beats that really work, but there's no 
melodramatic tendencies, just very effective interaction between the characters, which builds and builds and eventually kind of pays off in spades. And it's just, it's almost like she just lets, you know, the two leads just do their thing uh, and kind of lets the story just work around them. It's, it, it's, it's kind of, I think that's why it works and why it's so kind of different from a lot of the films of its ilk because it is just about the two characters and, and a lot of the story uh, stuff seems secondary and it's only there to kind of keep the film at a decent pace and to kind of put these little beats in every now and again, these payoffs. It's It, it feels more like a, a, a film from a, a director of greater years and more experience. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's her experience, partly her and Alex's experience, and maybe that feeds into the confidence in terms of no, de- depic- depicting I, that. I just meant more films kind of under your belt. Right, like, right, exactly. It, it, exactly. Would, it would be more kind of uh, logical in terms of how you think, but... I do admire that she gets those beats very correctly. Like, for instance, the scene where uh, Jennifer meets um, Vincent in the restaurant. They're going to have a talk. Uh, Chime Fat kind of sets it up. And uh, Mabel gets audiences emotionally involved because Vincent is trying to turn the tables by telling Jennifer, you got to better yourself. you got to open up and widen your horizons. Essentially trying to make it that he didn't do anything wrong by going out with someone else. And uh, and, and it's funny because Chime Fat listens to this um, uh, discussion and he mistakes uh, Vincent uh, says that Woody Allen said this Giant Fat thinks he's talking about Alan Tam your boy your boy Alan <laughs> like Alan Tam didn't say that <laughs> every time that, that comes on you're like yeah <laughs> you know uh, uh, Jennifer is interesting to watch too because we never get the sense that uh, rather we get a mixture of the sense that she almost followed vincent blindly to america but she in there baked in there and it's a bit, it's a bit subtle but that, that's okay she obviously has ambitions to study though and uh, getting into acting is not this secondary plan child comes up with for her so so we get the sense that uh, she has ambition but obviously everything is turned on its head because she she wanted to do this in tandem with uh, with vincent and she she didn't deserve to have this land on her this way and uh, and uh, I mean, heck, uh, the, the sort of sole darkness of the film is that she nearly dies <laughs> during a gas leak. Yeah, but uh, uh, well, M- Mabel doesn't push that and make it punishing. It's a, it's quite mild, despite. It's more paid for the benefit. It's more kind of played for the benefit of the characters and their kind of interaction, rather than this kind of dramatic scene. Do you think his tough love as a character works? Uh, because he's uh, he's he's encouraging, but. Uh, he uh, uses tough love to a degree to get her off the mat and uh, to snip out of the Vincent, to snap out of the Vincent haze, if you will, and and like embrace New York. You're here. You have you you're going to school and all that. Like I, for me, I, I find that very that, that balance between tough love and genuine genuine warmth and encouragement very appealing because Chime Fat is appealing. And then a while that's in, what he does best, isn't it, as an actor? Oh boy, you know, does as he ever? Seen before, yeah, it's that kind of romanticism with that the tough guy image it's just i suppose very kind of easy to act in that way when you have that kind of very kind of uh mixed image or that kind of very i don't know kind of that that image that that, you know you, you can easily do both is what is what i'm trying to say and i think that um it, it puts it to good use here and the script and, and the kind of dialogue kind of uh, the story supports that um, for sure, and I think that's why they were so right in getting him uh, in the lead because he doesn't lead to one. He, he's a good mix. 
and the re reason it works too is that Figgy is m might be you know living each day to the fullest and doesn't mind if he's poor, uh, but but he's not done improving. Uh, so so it's yeah, the classical yeah, yeah. movie stuff trope without it feeling a trope that he needs he needs her to better himself a little bit too. Mm. He uh, he needs to have a better uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Let's end the show right here. We're done. Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> Disconnect the call. But no, no, but I, I, I really like that. It's engaging, uh, even though it's classical and and well, a well-worn sort of character story by now. But uh, it, it works. I mean, he, his upbeat ways are infectious, and even if he gets something wrong, he doesn't care. In in the scene where he walks in on her eating the egg sandwich, uh, you know, for fifty cents, you don't, can't afford anything else. He says to her, "Well, George Washington said that." Uh, uh, getting started guarantees you your success uh, your halfway to success or was it Confucius I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know let, let's eat and be merry essentially so uh, and, and their different energies are a great fit I, I love them together she, she's the in a shell between them is just out of this world you know and I was, there was a reason that you know Ringo God bless his soul you know paired them together again a few years later and as you said you know John Woo did and there was a reason that the directors kind of kept kept coming back to uh, back to their pairing because it's it's so good. I mean, their their one on ones are some of the highlights when it's just them. Their yeah. their little walk into which is most of the film, really. I think yeah. that's what it, it's kind of built on, to be honest. I mean, again, the characters are there, the sporting characters are there, but I don't know. I, I think that's why the film's so good because it's just kind of built on their relationship and the kind of growth and 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 the building of that, and and you get obviously invested you know in that and it's not obvious either right like it's not it's not obvious romantic uh, drama being built no here. it's not it's it's not it's not and it's not very obvious from the from the beginning you know it's kind of it, it takes its time and i think for a first time viewer there's a there's a good chance that say you never saw the poster or you just kind of knew you know the name of the film and you banged it on you wouldn't really know whether it was kind of a romantic film and if you saw the poster with the guns, then you... Yeah, I mean, as you say, if you saw the French poster, you'd be like, it's time for some action. But if you just put it on without kind of any inkling that it was a romance, then I think you wouldn't, you know, you'd, you'd get about halfway through and you start thinking, oh, there might be something going on here. But I think that's that's to the power of the film and how good the film is, that it, 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 it does build. It doesn't rely on kind of any lazy stereotypes. It kind of just builds a relationship between the two. And, and, and I could watch that forever. I mean, uh, whether it's the little montage when they redo her apartment uh, or um, when Chime Fat uh, cuts in line to buy Broadway tickets and then uh, tries to sell them on the street and she has to bail him out. And uh, <laughs> that, that's a wonderful scene. It's if, if, uh, if you compare it to A Better Tomorrow 2 and it's the English delivery in that one, Figgy isn't supposed to know any English really. So he starts shouting to the, to a police officer, obviously the American police officer. He tr he's trying to say, I'm not a yellow cow. And all he keeps shouting, I know yellow cow! <laughs> <laughs> like you talk, I talk, you I talk, and Chowlin, Yellow Cow, and Fried Rice from this this year. <laughs> and 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 really, what it all leads to, the reason I'm mentioning that is both that's funny, but then they have a little walking talk, walking talk, and she she has seen through this sort of exterior that she realizes he has bought the ticket for them because she expressed she wanted to see a Broadway musical and she smiles at him and she doesn't make a deal of it and they go on being friends it's not this like oh my god feelings <laughs> it takes a yeah, good 50 boy. minutes until we're in that 
territory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It, it really takes its time with it. You're saying about that that policeman, there's some solid Guilo acting in this. I mean, it's used sparingly here and there just for moments, but I think it just works well compared to... I don't know what the, the hell you're talking about. ...illegal immigrants. It's just, it just works. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not kind of... It's fucking award-winning versus a better more tomorrow too. Yeah, That's know, what it is. Well, geez, yeah, compared to that, I mean, you're right, but compared to the no illegal greasy manager, just, all right, in this one. There's none of that. Maybe one should have popped up, but yeah, it's kind of just more sparingly uh, compared to illegal immigrant, which I think is is for the benefit of the film. I mean, growth that, that that makes it feel a little bit more immersive, I suppose. Uh, they, yeah, they, they didn't get trained actors, but they they certainly used them so sparingly that they're, they're not putting them from and center with awkward dialogue these westerns yeah no you're right yeah no you're very right you're very right yeah, you know even their uh, classmates of uh, of sherry you know they they it's it's the high thank you for coming yeah, great party it's, it's not yeah, yeah. awkward that way no i mean there's that one guy who's like he goes to pick up a hot dog and then he burns his hand off did you see that i'm sure you've seen the film about a hundred times i'm sure you would i was sure you would have picked that up which scene like, in the party chow walks away from from it and the guy was i think he has to pick up a hot dog and he just yeah and he burns his like jacket off i'm like yeah dude watch out man put some gloves on or something <laughs> i did i did spot one new thing uh later in the film when chime fat is uh, a little bit sad and he goes off with his mates to um, have a little bit of a fighty fighty punchy punchy as they uh near that place they, they they turn the corner and you can see in the background this might be accident but what a happy accident in the background a piece of graffiti on the brick wall says oh sherry oh sherry really yeah not noticed that uh, before that's incredible i i didn't notice that no i noticed the cobra poster that was class stallone's co stallone's cobra poster yeah yeah in the cinema yeah when child walks past uh, that that scene's quite funny that one that you were talking about because there's a bit where um um, Chow, I think he, he he knocks the beer can accidentally out of his mate's hand, and his mate, the look on his mate's face is so sad. It's like, it's like he just shot his dog. He's just like <laughs> looking around, seeing where the beer's gone. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but it's uh, it's amazing. There, there are some signs here of uh, of uh, such mistakes, even in the wonderful scene where Chow Fat is teaching her how to. Um, make a particular soup and he he, he throws salt uh, from a distance and distance, and then yeah. they sit down to eat and because i've seen the movie a hundred fucking times i notice <laughs> as as giant fat sits down he has a little smile on his face and then <laughs> and then they're supposed to spit the um spit the soup and it looks like a bad take but but i think it's intentional but he, he's ready to laugh like i gotta spit yeah. soup i gotta spit oh, I soup didn't that. yeah I, I didn't see that i just thought it was part of the scene and, and sherry looks like she's cracking up really at that but but it, it works as a moment where at that point the characters have drifted apart a little and that's the scene where they they come together again and have that one-on-one interaction that they both yeah, love yeah. again Intentional or not, I think it, that works quite well. Maybe a more, a little bit more stand standout scene it, that I think you know, if they were to show a proper clip at the awards ceremony for this, you, you there's obvious stuff to pick from. But I think one of Charles' very best scenes, and I mean, it goes back to Alex's script, that Mabel's tight direction is when Chow goes to the restaurant where Sherry works, and he's dressed up, but Figgy isn't. Uh, Suave and doesn't have a proper suit and proper manners, and he feels like uh, he can't navigate this environment. And it's funny, but it also sh- showcases that little crack in his exterior that he's um, he doesn't like 
being insecure and being in these moments where people are acting more, so to say, more classier than he is. Mm. Uh, Chaifa does it with a smile on his face, but you can see a little bit, a little bit of, oh God, take me out of here. I don't like yeah. this. And he, yeah. a little bit yeah. of panic on his face. And I, and my point is, that's what Hong Kong Film Awards are made for. Those little moments. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, again, it's like, it, it, there's a lot of different, I'm not saying he's asked to do a lot of different stuff, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, st- you got to stretch his legs a little bit with it. It's not just the kind of standard rom-com kind of role. There's 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 these kind of dramatic beats and these kind of I say dramatic beats, but more kind of these situations that he kind of has to um, you know navigate. And I think he does extremely well in it again with just certain looks and kind of just charisma. Like he just kind of gets gets kind of through these scenes with with nothing more than that really sometimes. And I think that's. Again, that's that's kind of one of why, you know, he's one of the best in the business because. And funnily enough, by the way, they neither actor uh, outshines the other. That's the wonderful no, thing. No, no, I would agree. I would agree. They go kind of toe to toe, like for the whole film, really. To be honest, and I, they both know their kind of roles and and kind of what they what they need to do, and that they they both work extremely well. They never kind of clash. Really, it's just kind of a, a perfect amalgamation. And 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 really could have been that you notice him more than her because he he's he has a little bit more energy and she uh, is in a shell in the beginning of the movie and then matures as the movie goes on but it it, yeah. it still doesn't like, like the the chemistry and mixture there is uh, is pitch perfect i mean just look at the beach scene where they're presumably on, yeah, yeah. on long island and i mean it, it it's not a major spoiler but but the dialogue where where they talk of uh, you know uh, dreams and uh, they admit tough things about the fear of not being present in each other's lives anymore, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. that Ch- Chaim Fat just sits, not uh, stands there. And, uh, you'll uh, like that'll be gone, I'll be gone, you'll be gone, and you you can see that he doesn't like that prospect of her being. But but then she picks uh, she she picks her, him up in that case. Well, maybe I won't be gone, and you can see him almost like an eight year old kid being relieved, yeah. like. Wow, she. I'm happy that she said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, very subtle with it, and and not really kind of you know banging, trying to bang the bang, bang, <laughs> trying to kind of like I don't know, just give this kind of big, this big scene, this big emotional scene to it all, or this dramatic kind of pretense to it. It's all very kind of subtle and and, and just works, you know, incredibly well. Like it's uh, that um, to externalize that you would miss someone will make you feel sensitive and vulnerable and open and mm-hmm, and, yeah, and, cool. and she and she sees that because they 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 do have an infatuation of sorts with each other and uh, to talk about it like the illegal immigrant wasn't bad but talk about this assured hand and and just confidence in elevating the big and small moments and progress in characters i think it's all on point to the to the point of being masterful it really is and uh, yeah no it really is uh, and, and whether it will reach romance or not, this is not clear and shouldn't be made clear. That's okay. It, it never feels like this. Uh, I've seen this movie before. Even so many movies in, there's so many viewings of this. I, I still feel that they, I don't know if it's fair to say that they bring their own structure, but it's certainly, as you alluded to earlier, it doesn't feel like um, recycled rom romantic stuff. It, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It's kind of in a league of its own in terms of, what it's doing with the characters and it's it's vibe and it's just uh, just everything about it yeah i mean it's it's a very special film and i think it's it probably gets a bit kind of child's filmography so overcrowded that <laughs> you know 
I suppose it sometimes doesn't get the love that, that it deserves, really, when you stack it alongside, you know, cl- such classic films um, that he did before and after this and after that and then before that and, you know, all over the place. I think so. sometimes I, I wonder why, um, why, I mean, why the movie gods weren't fair to a movie like this uh, and the movie gods instead, instead embraced uh, complex art a little bit more you know what i mean like may, may, maybe it's the festival crowd maybe demands a i mean i'm, I'm not trying to throw like one kawaii under the bus here or anything no, but, but i was about to say the same name yeah because i think that when you think of kind of hong kong romance art kind of films you think of that but or maybe the festival world like saw this oh commercial no 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 we'll we'll, we'll take the difficult art instead Possibly, yeah, but you know, I don't know. For me, it's just it, it's a film like this of itself just speaks to me more than a one car ride film. It should be up there with, with Shunking Express. Like I, I can sense that people love the Hong Kong energy of Shunking Express, but I think it's an entirely impersonal dramatic movie. Uh, and impersonal. That's a yeah. That's a good word. I think there's like a coldness to it, isn't there? And I think that's kind of what yeah, what 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 puts puts me off. Uh, what, what I wanted to ask, uh, any uh, spoiler-free uh, favorite Chai Fat moments uh, or Cherry Chung moments uh, for you? I like that bit where that red car's going past and then <laughs> Chai Yun Fat in a completely different haircut like, pulls out his gun. Oh, that's class. Do you remember that bit? Someone did when they made the French poster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how many times we can, uh, we can, we can reference it. France, France should know better. France should know better. <laughs> <laughs> should know better. I think, to be honest with me, um, yeah, the moments kind of towards the back end, the party is really good, and, and the kind of moments um, that the characters share and the kind of emotions that the characters go through there and kind of the decisions that, you know, Sherry makes, Sherry makes there um, are some of my favourite moments, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, even just kind of the initial scenes where you you've you know you know them all, but, yeah, but like the, the house decorating scene um, and the initial kind of, meeting uh of the two the scene in the park is really good as well when they're kind of they've been selling they've been selling uh the dolls that, that cherry's character's been making uh jennifer and um they run into her ex-boyfriend i think that's a really really good scene and that kind of gives a little bit of, makes a little tension bit of tension between the two but i think that um they both give really good performances in that scene uh particularly it's just, it's just a simple walk and talk, but man, is it not simple at the same time? Because you you need to write and get these. It's intricate. It really is intricate. Uh, it looks simple, but it structurally you just need to be on on point for an audience to invest fully in that divide. That then isn't a divide a couple of scenes later, and uh, the different philosophies kind of clash at that point. You can really start to tell kind of. The difference between the characters you know the, the the kind of deeper differences between the characters and the initial ones that that you kind of see in in the start of the film yeah i'm, I'm gonna mention some notes that it, it actually maybe i'll put them after the end music of the show because they are spoilers uh, but uh, my, my my favorite moment uh, that that it doesn't matter if you know of it it's not that plot heavy is um when Jennifer is, uh, she's called up by Anna, uh, the girl that she babysits, and she uh, she says uh, she misses her, she misses her, and she asks Jennifer to sing her a song, and uh, she starts singing the song, and uh, the soundtrack turns a little bit uh, echoey, and then uh, James Heyman's camera goes down the stairs essentially and catches Chai and Fat on the floor yeah. below. 
he sort of leans his head out a little bit and just kind of loves hearing her sing and his his I don't know his content reaction to that that it's it's, yeah. it's beautiful to hear her sing and it's beautiful to hear that melody regardless and it's one of those again you gotta have a giant fat to make a moment like that really yeah of course be good of course yeah no you're right it could in the in the hands of the wrong actor or a different actor it could it could go a bit wrong. It could have been a blank reaction, blank moment. Yeah, of course, but, uh, of course, of it, course. But it, he just plays it, you know, so so subtly and yeah. so perfect. And the way he, le- uh, like I've seen this movie a hundred times, but he has his magazine to his chest and he leans he leans a little bit and then leans back and almost gets even more comfortable than he was in a way. Like, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I like my life a little bit better now, <laughs> here, here, hearing this in my house. <laughs> you know? uh, shout out to the score, Lowell Lowe's wonderful uh there, there are a uh, score there are not a lot of uh, variations of the main theme but we we get he plays it on a piano you hear it on a music box as well and uh, it, it's ingrained in you towards the end of the film there are those one or two key themes of an autumn's tale and i think lowell either won or was awarded for his score and lowell low yes the comedic actor Lower low, low. <laughs> from pedicab he's a, driver and he's Rosa. He's a multi-talented man, guys. All right, get over it, okay? Before we do the availability, anything else uh, you want to say? We're, we're out of the spoiler. We've had a spoiler discussion now, people. We're going to put that at the end of the show. But uh, do you want to say anything else about the movie, Tom? Like, did the series is not done, but we've we, we've now had the it's high been a point. Great show. It's been a great series. I'll see you all next year. We've, next we've had a high point series. here, and now now you see <laughs> no, love, now you don't. That's got its work cut out for it. <laughs> oh, it's just I think it's it's a bit kind of underseen. Uh, as a, as a, as a film, and I think it deserves to be um, seen a bit more. And I, I do think it's one of Charlie Fat's best films. And again, I think it, it's it fits perfectly into the slot of, you know, whether you've seen him in different roles and you see him in action roles and drama roles and kind of maybe kind of wacky romance roles. I think this fits that slot of, you know, something different, something that's kind of romantic, but something very kind and of not restrained. Hong Kong local either. Yeah, not yeah, does not feel Super like a universal. New Year film. No, it's it's kind of bordering kind of art house. It's such a I don't know, it, it's I you know, for me it's not an arty film in, in the way in a way that it's confusing or it's it leaves me cold or I don't understand it or it doesn't kind of let me in. It's it's kind of an arty film in that it, it looks great and kind of says things and uses its kind of actors in a way that's different from maybe more commercial film. But I don't think that that's a bad thing, but I probably don't know what I'm speaking about at all. But for me, Tom like Tom like it looked good. <laughs> it looked good. It sound good. Tom like. <laughs> now I'm gonna edit your own version with the guns, just because uh, to, to make to make yourself a uh, hard man again. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm macho. I'm macho. There's guns in I'm, this. I'm, I'm macho. I'm going. I'm going skydiving with a case of Budweiser later, dude. Just chill out. Oh, just get off my back end. Bud Light, but Budweiser, nonetheless. <laughs> Yeah, but why is it a bit too strong for me? <laughs> <laughs> Got a sensitive system. <laughs> I am a sensitive guy. 
All right, yeah, as for availability, it is currently available though, uh, thankfully, uh, on Blu-ray in Hong Kong. Uh, my guess, it is an upscaled standard definition transfer from Fortune Star because they had a remastered DVD out there, but it, it should look okay uh, because one, the DVD edition is out of print anyway. Uh, even if it does have remixed only audio, there, where where could they have added extra effects? to make this uh, DTS EX uh, discrete surround 3D 7.1. Like, there's nothing here. <laughs> there's nothing here. So I I'm betting that this is one of the few Fortune Star remixes that you're going to be okay with. It's not going to sound strange and new or anything. There there's a poster of it. Child has a gun in his hand, but there's no such scene in the film. Therefore, no such <laughs> thing to remix. So uh, it, I would say it's one of the more safe Blu-ray purchases with Fortune Star's name on it. No new gunshot sounds in this one, unfortunately. The the trailer is a bit. Uh, the new trailer they cut is a bit. Uh, they they tried to make that a bit hard for some reason and edgy. In Ooh. Hong Kong, no, sorry, in New York. <laughs> they even did that with Rouge. You know how Rouge plays out. It's yeah, not a scary yeah, yeah. ghost I film. That, yeah, that new trailer. New trailer weird. makes it a scary ghost film. Yeah, weird. Yeah, a bit spooky that one. So, if they can't remix it, then we're gonna put everything in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> we're men over here at fortune star damn it <laughs> okay okay um then uh, we are done for this director series for all your podcast on fire network needs including the back catalog of the director series and uh, go back to the first episode on uh, the mabel chung uh, series uh, on the illegal immigrants and um, hope you follow us for the rest of the coverage but nevertheless uh, that's our site and all the relevant social media links will be available in the show post and uh, that is us pretty much and uh, uh, if you want to hear some spoiler discussion on a couple of moments towards the end of the film that will come after the music has concluded so if you've seen the film want to hear a couple of minutes of us gushing about the uh, choices that were made uh, actor wise directorial wise towards the end of an autumn's tale we'll, we'll give you a little bonus there because uh, there are moments that uh, just uh, are classic for me but i didn't want to mention it if you haven't seen the film so well, we'll be back for the third installment of the director series. I haven't uh, mapped out exactly which uh, uh, movies to cover, but uh, we, we are approaching, you know, Eight Tales of Gold and Now You See Love, Now You Don't, and those kind of uh, uh, movies. And both of them uh, have uh, received Blu-ray uh, upgrades in Hong Kong. Uh, Eight Tales of Gold had a remastered DVD that is now on Blu-ray. Uh, now You See Love, Now You Don't, uh, I don't think I had, had a DVD. I have a VCD, and that is now on Blu-ray. So... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. things are happening yeah. now in hong kong they're releasing catalog titles like wild nowadays awesome good time good time good time to be alive even <laughs> uh even godfrey ho exploitation movies are coming to blu-ray for heaven's sake so you know the standards are dropping when they make it like men behind the sun <laughs> two and three the laboratory of the oh, devil that's coming they, to blu-ray <laughs> no but they're they coming 5.1 guy they need 5.1 only 2.0 on those releases. So. Aww. So, there it is. But uh, regardless, uh, with, uh, we, we are done for this episode of the director's series on an autumn's tale and a little bit of look back on painted faces. So hope you like it. I'll be Kennedy. With me was Tom KW. So say goodbye. And I'm happy you liked the movie too. That always makes me happy. Absolute pleasure. Check out the film, guys. Been a fun ride as always with me and your boy, Kenny. And then he ran out of batteries Tommy the air went out of you I can't do this is anymore. that a bit too did I slow down <laughs> you literally just stopped on a dime <laughs>
uh, with your boy Kenny, battery just zero percent. <laughs> I'll do my spoiler moments just to say them because um, it's it. They were always my favorite moments from like some of the first viewings, the the, the back end moments, right? When Chaya yeah. discovers the his room has been cleaned and he sees his figurine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He looks at it like he takes off the uh, the hat, graduation hat, looks at it and like wow, and then runs off in the streets, obviously, and uh, tries to make things right. And and those moments when when they do meet, uh, when they exchange uh, presents and they sort of tell that well, why why didn't you tell me it was your birthday? And those moments where Chai and Fat so didn't want to make a fuss of it and those are movie star moments he, he 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 doesn't want to he didn't want to make a fuss of it and uh he uh and then he realizes too late that he wanted to make a fuss of it he wanted to confess to her how she feels and i mean my god tom to make in 2019 to make a moment like when he starts to run after her, to make a moment like that uh, like yeah. valid poignant engaging that's almost like Fuck you all. I'm going to do the most tropey romance moment ever. I'm going to have the guy run after the girl. Watch me. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, does it work. You're right. I mean, that, that back that back end has got so many kind of good moments. It just shifts from kind of one one great moment to, to the next. And then obviously just culminates kind of in the, the final cherry, on, cherry on, on top, which is the kind of final scene. So it's... Did you feel it was like um, uh, too too open ended, or did you feel like that's that's where you end it, table for two? Yeah, I think it was perfect for the film. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about you know maybe a bit more of a depressing ending or a bit more of a happier ending. But I think that's just kind of perfect. It fits with the rest of the film and kind of how the rest of the film has, has played out for sure. Yeah, it's it's um, as perfect as can be. Um... Uh, it would have been too much to leave him on, like sitting by the riverside and completely yeah, crushed. No, yeah, because that's isn't that that's what they were saying, wasn't it? The original ending was well, they were, they, were, they had plans just to kind of have that that last shot of him kind of on the beach. Yeah, uh, somewhere so, something got added. Yeah, and, uh, not by the bosses of the studio. I think uh, this just felt like oh no 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 no, it needs to be. We're we're not gonna make it fully explicit what's gonna happen. Well, we need to be a little bit more cheery towards the end and uh, and show that a year has passed or whatever and there's been development despite heartbreak and uh, mm. that that's not overstating matters i think that's just perf- perfect understatement but we i long for more but i don't not at all i don't want a frame a di- additional frame of anything after that point yeah yeah definitely it kind of i mean it, it kind of just seals the deal doesn't it really i don't know it's just kind of for, for what it is and kind of for the build-up and it's just the perfect kind of finale in terms of what what they've both been speaking about and, and the time they've shared together and the conversations they have. It's just it just makes sense would be uh, would be the would be the right term. And like opening the restaurant with that name as well, a sampan. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just it's just the perfect ending. <laughs> 